Hey, it's Steve and welcome to Share, a podcast that sets out to do just that. From stories and reflections to ideas and concepts, each episode will dive into a wide range of topics and discussions that come from a journey through life. The simple fact I've discovered is when we share, we empower, not just ourselves, but each other. Are you planning your next holiday? Let the team at Mind & Body Travel inspire you. With a focus on wellness and well-being, the team at Mind & Body Travel can assist you whether you're looking to attend a retreat, test yourself on an adventure, tick off that bucket list trip, or just create a travel itinerary that includes all that you want in a holiday while taking into account all that your mind and body needs. Revolutionising the way people look at holidays and travel, they believe that travel should deliver nourishment for your soul, clarity for your mind, and renewed focus upon your return. So you ready to take off? Then it's time to check in with the team at Mind and Body Travel. Just visit www.mindandbodytravel.com. So that one question, right, like why is it when we actively engage in nature do we feel healthier and happier, sort of started to lead me down a wellness path. Not that I knew it was at that stage, right? It was just I was just inquisitive about the science behind what nature can do to improve our well-being or mental health for me at that stage. In this week's episode, we're talking with a wellness warrior, a man who dedicates his life to creating experiences and inspiring others to not just live more sustainably in life, but to actually thrive in it. He understands and promotes the idea that for us to perform at our best, we need to feel our best. He's never lived far from the sand and surf, knowing that for him, environment plays a big part in how he feels, how he lives, and how he thrives. As an extremely proud husband and father, he shares his insights on what he's learned when it comes to wellness and what he personally implements in his daily life to ensure he performs at his best. He's the owner of Water Sports Guru, alongside Cudgeon Creek in Kingscliff on the northern New South Wales coast, where for years they've helped people to enjoy the natural surroundings, and as he says, it helps people disconnect to reconnect. He's also the driving force behind Green X7, which he founded to explore and to promote what it means to be healthy, happy, and well. Not just changing the way organizations approach wellness, but how individuals actually integrate it into their life. Prepare to be entertained, to be inspired, and I can guarantee you'll be checking your personal battery after this episode with my mate and this week's guest, Tim Jack Adams. Tim Jack Adams, welcome to Share. G'day, Steve. How are you? Good, good, good. How was the beach this morning? Beach was sunny, but rough as guts, mate. I almost got taken out to sea this morning. (laughs) There was a lot of water flowing, mate. I thought I was going to lose it for for life today, mate, but uh, I scurried back in, mate, and I'm here now, so we're all good. Yeah, emergency avoided. Waking up in Brisbane this morning, I I looked at the blue sky and I thought I'd uh, I'd be liking to be walking on the, the sand this morning, that's for sure. South Bank, mate. South Bank is right there, Steve. (laughs) <laughs> it's not the same, is it? It's not the same. <laughs> Tim, we've connected recently. I've, I've tracked you for a little while after an introduction from my brother, caught up recently and had a really good chat, probably could have talked all day. Mate, we'll probably talk a little bit more now. Yeah, that's exactly right. So we'll, uh, we'll definitely dig into some things. But as I always like to do, I want to start with who is Tim Jack Adams? Where have you come from and what's brought you to today? Mm, it's a um, good question, mate, because it's it's changed a lot over the years. The uh, the Tim Jack Adams in my teenage years, mate, which was a you know a bogan wanting to become an apprentice mechanic to a dive master to now a well being expert. I don't know if I should use that word, mate. It's probably a word that others should use. 
But, yeah, I think for me, mate, I'm just a fun-loving guy that loves the outdoors, loves adventure, loves my family, mate. You know, my family's number one. I've got a three and a one-year-old. And I'm just, I'm just curious, I think. I'm just curious with, with life. I'm curious to see, you know, what the best version of me is going to look like. When I get there, I'll never get there. But I've just, I've always been curious these last sort of 10, 20 years about what's going to happen and where we're going and then, and using that to, to help others as well. So there's a snapshot, mate. Now tell me about growing up and, and how that kind of shaped you. Yeah, so I grew up in Palm Beach on the Gold Coast. So back then it was a little bit rough and ready, mate. Now everyone just wants to move there. But we had, you know, I had three different dads. So, you know, one to five, five to 12 and and uh, 13 to now. And, you know, that's obviously always going to shape a young fellow. I ended up sort of living with five brothers in the end there for my formative teenage years. And it was, mate, it was an interesting household, you know, when you've got six boys living in a three-bedroom shack on the beach and you've got all your mates around every afternoon it's it's to be honest mate one on one side of it it's it's an amazing playground and experience and on the other side sometimes I just wanted to hide in my room (laughs) so I didn't keep getting picked on (laughs) by by all my brothers mate because my name was Boko which means you know small and Italian not that I'm Italian but I was the little kid you know sort of fifth in the row and yeah I was always trying to be the the big kid the tough one but Look, my brothers were always the leaders of the pack, and uh, I was just following along. So, tell me about how your upbringing—obviously, three dads in in a number of years, lots of brothers—and there would have been some interesting stories there, I'm sure. But how has that shaped you as a as a husband and a dad later on in life? Mm, yeah, it's mate. I think I'm going to say a lot, but I think if you really dig down into it, I would say it's probably everything. And I think I put a lot of expectations on myself to be a really good husband and a really good father. Probably too much pressure, to be honest. But I just, I just want to know that you can do it, right? I want to know that you can have a career. And I want to know at the same time that you can be an amazing, supportive husband to my beautiful wife, Carly, and also be there for my kids, right? Like I want I want them to grow up with amazing memories of just doing great stuff with dad. And I think that phrase, you know, you know when you're a successful parent because your kids still want to hang out with you even though they don't need to. I want to be that dad where my kids are always wanting to hang out with me no matter what age, mate. Even if I'm walking around at bloody 90 years of age, they're still kicking around a soccer ball with me. So, yeah, it's, it has made a big impact on me. I always say to my kids, you're never going to be too old to give dad a hug or tell me you love me. So it's about about having that relationship, I suppose, that you're connected further on in life. Because recently I connected and, and been in a huddle with some guys from the US and each month we do a different theme. And one of the biggest and hardest months for people was talking on the theme of family. Mm-hmm. For me, it filled me with a lot of gratitude because family is a really tough thing for a lot of people. Mm. Yeah, and I think like our our mum was amazing. She's still amazing. She was sort of the, you know, the mainstay of our family. She's what kept it all together and she she really went hard on values and integrity, my mum. It was all about making sure that if someone told you to meet at this time, you had to be there at that time and in, you know, your name was worth everything. And that integrity and values has really kept me in good stead. And the thing is you, you can only do the best that you can do, right? Like this is and you don't know this. Like as a kid, I thought my upbringing was completely normal. And to be honest, it probably is completely normal. 
God, we, we don't even have a normal, right? Like someone's probably like three dads, man, I got five. Like, geez, pal, there's about 20 of us kicking around in these certain parts. But I just think for me, it was being a youngster in my family and being the smallest, I was always trying to probably overachieve in trying to be macho, you know, and trying to really put that mask on about being rough and tough and being able to keep up with the older boys. And I think what that does is is it suppresses a lot of the other emotions, not crying because you don't want to be seen as weak. And I know, man, I, I probably had that mask on for a good 15 years before I even let anybody in and get them to understand that I had a heart. I actually didn't even know I had one and until probably 12 years ago where I started to crack that one open. But my experience is probably so common to so many others. And I think there is no common when we start listening to other people's stories. Yeah. So growing up, I'm guessing in your teenage years towards the end of school, you didn't have on your your vision board that you were going to be a wellness expert. (laughs) Mate, I thought wellness was going to a day spa and getting your nails done, Steve. (laughs) I didn't know what the hell that word was. Talking about nails, mate, I thought I was going to have greasy nails because all I wanted to be was an apprentice mechanic. My best mate, Mitch, he quit school in year 10, went and worked for the Pines Tire and Auto Kmart Mechanics, and that's all I wanted to do, mate. We were really up there with the Bogans, mate, working on our Holden Commodores and watching the races and doing burnouts, and I was like, man, if only I could be an apprentice mechanic, my life would be made. Went to the guidance counsellor. He said I wasn't smart enough, and that just crushed my dreams, mate, and also my attendance for it even going to school after that. I became a real skeg, surf and skate. I became a, you know, a trolley pusher. And that was pretty much me for the next, you know, four or five years, mate, was pushing trolleys, being a real skeg, which is a surfer and skater for those that aren't coastal peeps. And yeah, up until the age of 19, mate, I, I thought that was my life ahead of me. So no, wellness, didn't know what that was. So what changed? Tony Robbins. <laughs> now there's a common piece. So, I, mate, I vividly remember this. I was living downstairs uh, underneath my uncle's joint in Chugan, and it was this sort of like basement dungeon area. And he had cassette tape box of Anthony Robbins hidden away in some storage area. And cassette tapes, mate, had the Sony Walkman, threw one in, had no idea who Tony Robbins was. And I remember so vividly him saying, just because where you are is now, it doesn't mean that's where you have to be. And that completely changed my mindset. You know, up until that stage, sort of thought of myself as pretty low-hanging fruit in terms of what I could achieve in my life. And just listening to those words of just because it's where you are now doesn't mean you're where you have to be. I think it started to light a fire in my belly and I ended up buying the whole cassette tapes of Tony Robbins. I was going to make Here's the. This is the, the split or the sliding doors in my life right here, Steve. I had the choice of buying brand new mag wheels for my Holden VL Commodore, right? <laughs> 18 inches or buying the Tony Robbins cassette tape, right? I went for the Tony Robbins cassette tape, mate. Otherwise, who knows where I could have ended up. Yeah, your hair would probably be a bit longer and, <laughs> and you would have been, I would have seen you down at Summer Nats early in January down at Canberra doing some skids. That's exactly where you would have seen me, mate, for sure. But no, I took off for a few years. I went went traveling around the world a bit. I came back with dreadlocks halfway down my back. I was trained up to be a dive master and started a war sports company, mate, when I was 27. So that's probably 15 years ago now. And then that sort of led me into doing what I do today. So tell me about 
you're diving and then obviously you got this opportunity to buy into a water sports company and take that over. So tell me how that came about. Yeah, so I was working for Kira Dive. So I went in there as a 21-year-old dreadlocked hippie. I love the water, mate. It's It's been in my blood ever since I was born. And all I wanted to be was a dive master. So did my training, worked sort of all over the place, up north, you know, Port Douglas, Cairns, got my dive instructors. And I was doing that for a while. And this great opportunity came up in Kingscliff to buy basically the license for Coogeon Creek. And so I bought that, started paddleboarding, kayaking. We did snorkeling with the turtles at Cook Island, just off Fingal there, which is phenomenal, mate. Like if you haven't done it, got over 50 green turtles that hang out at this little island and it just, it blows your mind. I've been doing it 20 years and I still get blown away every time I go out there. I started that in 2009. So that was 15 years ago. And it was actually when I was sitting under this three by three meter red tent back in 2012 that I started to think about why is it when we actively engage in nature, do we seem to be healthier and happier? Because worked in water sports for 10 years prior, I'd taken thousands of people out actively engaging, having fun. And I always notice, mate, that whenever we're in nature, we always seem to be in a better spot positively. So that one question, right, like why is it when we actively engage in nature, do we feel healthier and happier, sort of started to lead me down a wellness path. Not that I knew it was at that stage, right? It was just, I was just inquisitive about the science behind what nature can do to improve our well-being or mental health for me at that stage. Yeah. So talk to me about some of the programs and some of the, the things you, and events you put in place with Guru's Water Sports to kind of, I suppose you were, it was a bit of an experiment because you knew that it was working, but you were kind of like, mm. well, how do I, how do I roll this out and how do I impact more people? Yeah. And this was really interesting because what we found after doing a few years of research and working with academics and practitioners was that there was this framework that we came up with based around these seven tools. And that was movement, environment, earthing, time, reflection, connection, and breath. And we realized that if we could put as many of those tools into one activity, right, it was a sure way of looking after your well-being, so mental, emotional, physical, and spiritual health as quickly as possible because we're all time poor, or most of us. And so being able to do something in one activity to help sort of touch on all of those areas of our life was starting to become a really phenomenal experience. So what we did is we started to look at, okay, what if we did mindfulness in the mangroves where we took people paddling on paddle boards, movement, environment, we had our shoes off earthing, and then we actually went into the mangroves, we laid down, and we'd actually do this beautiful mindfulness session and go through it, reflection, breath, we're there with other people, positive human connection, right? So all of these things were coming up in this one activity. And then we realized that yoga on the beach was one, surfing was one. And so all of a sudden, I started looking at activities, not as just tourist things to do, but oh my God, this is actually a really amazing way to improve our well-being. And from that, we started working with hotels like Six Senses and Alila to actually start creating a framework based in their own location and what activities that they could do for their clients and the staff. So that's how this wellness tourism got introduced into my life. It was all by mistake. Really, back it was just trying to get school kids back out playing outdoors because we were finding that the schools were sort of bringing them back indoors. They were trying to really focus on the academics of the students. But all the science and research that said, if you go and do green exercise, you're actually going to be 30% more productive when you go do an exam or a test. 
So it's amazing what we can do when we get people out actively engaging in nature in that sense. Yeah, it's interesting. I went and saw a TEDx speaker and she was talking about how the education system has to move more to experiential, right? Because kids are engaging more, especially in these newer generations, right? They don't want to just be lectured to. They don't want to be just taught. They actually want to pull things apart and they actually Mm. want to know and You've got to keep them engaged, right? Because we're in a we're in a generation and, and in an environment where Snapchat's going off every fifteen seconds and there's so many things on their phone and gaming and everything like that. Things that us growing up we didn't have as much of. So you've got to keep them engaged. What you're doing and what you've done with Guru Water Sports, you, you would see those kids laughing, having fun, smiling and, and a completely different kid to sitting in a classroom. Well, it allows you to disconnect, right? Because we're just constantly connected. They wake up with a TV in the morning. You know, they've got phones now at the age of 10, so they're already connected to social media. So you've just got all these messages bombarding them constantly about outside expectations and all these triggers on the dopamine. And so the ability to actually be able to take them into nature and quieten their minds and their expectations from society and allow them just to breathe into it and to open up their own heart space and their own original thinking for me is just a phenomenal transition into what kids think life is about and what society wants to actually know. When I'm sitting here in silence by myself in nature, I actually truly understand what I want, right, for myself and what I need to do to actually further and progress towards that goal. And even just an hour of solitude in nature you know, without any distractions. Sometimes it can be very uncomfortable for people, but other times it can just be this phenomenal moment where they go, aha, right, that's who I am. Now I know what I need to do and let's move forward into it. And I think the problem is that unfortunately, when we put ourselves back into society, whether we've been sitting in nature camping or at a retreat, society then bombards us again with its expectations. And so you've got to be, you've got to be very grounded on a constant basis, and this is what I love to do with people, whether I'm coaching them or as a team, is I love to ground that individual or team to their truest self to understand what they really want for themselves and for that team or organization without all the other stuff coming at them. Now, you founded a company, Green X7. Now, Mm -hmm. you were mentioning the seven things, and I'm guessing that's where the seven came from in Green X7. Yeah, so Green X7 was, originally it was called Green Exercise. And then I thought, God, that's a boring name, isn't it? <laughs> so then we, we went with Green X7 because Green X was, a, uh, was already taken. So Green X7 is literally just the seven tools of green exercise. Those tools are fantastic. And we were, you know, we were rolling out those workshops all over the world and I was doing keynotes. But what we found was that, uh, number one, people didn't actually understand what well-being was, right? Like I could tell them to reconnect to themselves and others through nature but they're still like, well, what's well-being? And typically, how do we talk about it? Or even how do we measure it? Because when we started working with organizations like the Australian Defense Force and big corporations, the first thing is, this is great, Timmy, but how do we actually measure that this program is working? Or how do we even talk about well-being? Because as we know, are you okay? Most people are going to say, yeah, I'm fine, right? And you know, unfortunately, I lost a really good friend and mentor and business partner of mine back in 2016 and I was with him the day we're having a beer on the deck 
chewing the fat as always. And, you know, I said, look, Mal, I'll see you tomorrow. You're all good, mate. Yep, great, Timmy, see you tomorrow at 8 o'clock. And, mate, he took his life that night. So that whole question of every day, I'd be like, mate, you okay? You're all good? Yeah, mate, yeah, fine, life's grand. It, it just didn't cut it for me after that experience. And, you know, I'd lost other people in my life to suicide as well. I needed to go back to the drawing board because I didn't clearly understand how to connect with my best friends, with my brothers, or anybody, even my relationships. I, it just wasn't enough to say, are you okay? And so what happened was we actually went back and said, well, well what is well-being? What actually is it? Because when we know what it is, we can then improve it. But then how do we talk about it and measure it? Mm. And so this is when we created this concept of how's your battery, right? And looking at these eight areas of our life that actually make up our well-being, our health, our happiness and longevity, and then being able to measure it within 60 seconds and then basically go, Steve, how's your battery, mate? And you can tell me, well, Timmy, it's actually this. So I know exactly how you're going and if I need to worry about you or if I go, great, mate, you're killing it. Go help someone else. Yep. Yep. So talk to me about the app, how you use that. Yeah. So basically, we before the app, we, came, we created a card game called Play for Your Life. And um, I still love this card game. This is it. I've always got a pack on me. The way it would work is we'd put these eight cards out in front of you. Just say to you, mate, choose one of these cards that you're feeling good with. And you would say, right, Timmy, well, this is it. And I'd say, great. And we'd explain it. And then I'd say, choose a card you want to improve with. And all we were doing is just creating the time and space for someone to think about them because Eckhart Tolle said awareness is the greatest agent for change and I've got to agree with him because the moment that you stop and pause and reflect and become aware on how you're going, then you can actually look at what we need to do to improve it. And so we were playing this card game. We ended up getting a contract with the Australian Defence Force looking after their PTSD soldiers and it was working phenomenally well, but you know our board of advisors are like, "Look, Timmy, this is this is amazing, mate, but no one's going to carry a pack of cards with them in their pocket." Now, I denied that fact for about two years <laughs> because I'm I'm such a nature boy, and not that I'm anti-tech, but I prefer to spend more time outdoors than indoors. But we actually end up creating an app that does measure your well-being within sixty seconds by asking you eight questions. Now, mate, I can do it with you right now if you want on the podcast. Yeah, perfect. You're happy to be vulnerable? Yeah, definitely. Mate, as Brene that's, Brown would say. That's sound. my name. <laughs> Brene Vulnerable Brown. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I love it, mate. Okay, so you've got, the, uh, you've got the app in front of you. So basically what it's going to do, it's going to ask you eight questions and one being low, 10 being high. And all I want you to do is just answer them how you're feeling in general at the moment. And so I'll get you to talk out you know, what it is and what it's asking yep. you. And then you can rate it and you can tell the audience how you're going. And then we'll, uh, we'll see how your battery is. How's that sound, Steve? Perfect. That sounds good. So the first one's physical health. So it says, how is your energy, vitality, and your enthusiasm to move? So that's good. Done. Uh, sleep is the next one. Here. I'm going to, you're going to have to tell me what you chose, mate. Come on. We're going to, we're really opening up here. I was middle. What did you choose? You were middle five. All right. All right. Speak me through it. So sleep, how do you rate your quality of sleep? Do you feel rested or worn out? I'm going to put that as a five as well. Pretty middle. Now, next one is nutrition. What's your diet like at the moment? Rate high if you're eating foods that make you feel good all the time. I've got to say probably the last few days, just coming off a cruise, hasn't been 
sitting that great. So <laughs> that can't help. That's probably on the low to medium. It's like a sizzler buffet, mate. Yeah. Fun. Fun is is I like to try and have a bit of fun. So I'd put that as a seven. The next one, mental health and attitude. How positive is your mental outlook and attitude today? I'd put that as probably a seven. Friendships, how do how strong do you rate your connection to your friends? I've got good connection to my friends and it's an interesting topic, friendships, right? Especially for mm. men, especially as we get older. Who are your friends? You know, I I know Lachlan Stewart, the man that can project, he talks about posts regularly around how do you where have my mates gone? How do you mm. get mates? How do you find people that are in your circle or, or to bring into your circle? So that's an interesting topic. The next one here, relationships. How are your closest relationships going? For me, that's going going really well. So that's a nine for me. Beautiful. Purpose. How strong is your sense of purpose today? Do you have clarity around what you really want to achieve? That's that's pretty high for me at the moment as well, which is good. So now it's going to ask me into your details to check my battery. Beautiful, mate. So enter them. Now for anyone that's listening, they can just download the uh, the Green X7 app. It's free. It's on the Apple Store. Yep. Android's coming this year, guys. So sorry about that one. <laughs> you just have to write them down and do it mathematically. But yeah, so once you're ending those details, mate, I'm I'm super intrigued to see how you how your battery's going. All right. Calculating my battery level. All right. Here we go. So just for context, when I woke up this morning and had a look at the average Australian battery, mate, we're sitting at around sixty seven percent. Not to put any pressure on you, mate. I don't want to. Don't want to peg you as average or <laughs> below or above, <laughs> and and sleep and fun with the lowest mate. So let's let's compare, mate. How how Steve's going at the moment? Let's have a little list. Sixty-seven percent. Sixty-seven percent. Mate, I don't want to call you the Australian average, Stevie, but I think we just we think we just found it out. <laughs> All right, <laughs> that's hilarious. Okay, now go that's to awesome. view report. All right, now put your view report up. We've got so low, what's your lowest scores? What do we got? My lowest scores, nutrition. Yep. Nutrition, sleep, physical health. Beautiful. And so, great. So what we can then do is you could actually share that to myself, to your partner, if you've got a coach, whoever it is. So the app itself allows you to connect, care and share. So you can keep tabs on your mates, you know, or whoever it is. And then, mate, simply all we do is we look at one of those areas and go, let's choose physical health. We talk about, okay, well, I'll ask you now, mate. Here we go. We'll do a little coaching session on the side. Perfect. Stevie, why is physical health a little bit low at the moment? Probably because being camping, getting into the new year, moving a couple of houses in in a month or so, Coming back from the cruise holidays, I'm really out of my routine. Mm. I got back and did cycle yesterday morning, but it's really hard because just moving around a lot and having a lot going on, settling into that routine is probably leaving, making me feel a little bit less mm. connected to my physical health. Yeah, okay, mate. And then in terms of how we could improve it, what do you reckon we could do starting tomorrow, mate, to start to move the dial up a bit? Probably just put a bit more of a plan in. In regards to what does tomorrow morning look like, um, and kind of build some of that, build some of the things that are really helping me from a physical perspective to to make me feel a bit better. Beautiful, mate. So we're going to dig a little bit deeper to create this habit. So we're going to choose an activity that you're going to do. So let's pick something you're going to do. What are we going to do tomorrow? Yeah. So I do my wellness and well-being, and I've done that the last couple of days. So cold plunge, dry sauna, infrared sauna, warm spa. So. On that side of things, I've got back into the routine on that in the last few days, which has been good. But tomorrow morning will be, we'll start with cycle and then wellness and well being afterwards. 
Beautiful, mate. And what time are we going to start the cycle? Cycle on a uh, on tomorrow morning is a nice early one. It's five forty five to six fifteen. Done. There we go. And so basically now you're accountable to me. So I'm going to text you tomorrow, mate, and I'm going to make sure that you've done your cycle and your well-being circle. And that's how we start creating habits, right? We First of all, we need to become aware of what it is we want to improve on. We need to understand why we want to improve on it because we need to feel that pain, right? Like to actually move forward in a positive direction, we need to move away from the pain. And so it's about, okay, well, look, you know, I've let myself go a little bit. My routine's been out. I've been moving, cruise, completely understandable. But then now it's time to be very specific and actionable about it. And if we know exactly what we're going to do, we know exactly what time we're going to do it. We know exactly where we're going to do it. You know that now tomorrow morning, right, Timmy's going to be on your back. So you're going to wake up and go, bloody hell, why did I tell Timmy I was going to do a cycle at 5.45 in the morning? And now I got to do it because I'm accountable to the bastard, right? And so you're going to do it. And then the next day you've locked it in. And that's how we start creating habits. Now, when we talk about you now, you've got a 67% battery, right? Okay, fine. The average, it's all right. There's no alarm bells going there. But what we want you to do is that every time you do that battery, and it's typically once a week, you're just looking at one area of your life that you can improve, right? And then you start just building a habit around that one thing. And once you've got a habit around that physical health, you go back to your battery and you go, okay, my physical health is great. Maybe we start to work on nutrition. And the great thing about all these wellness areas, as you know, mate, they're all interlinked, right? So sleep sleep is probably one of the lowest ones at the moment in Australia. If you get better sleep, you're going to have more energy, which means you're probably going to do something that involves movement, which is going to make you feel better mentally, which is then you're going to start eating better and all those flow on effects. Because when you're feeling better, you're also more relatable and connectable. So you're probably going to be nicer to your partner, to your colleagues, to your employees. And look, it's it's a whole roll on effect. So what we've found over the, doing this for seven years, whether it's with individuals, corporations, organizations, that the better battery you have, the more productive you are. And to be honest, the better human being that you end up sort of being. Now, generalizing on that, there are some amazing people with terrible batteries out there, but we also want to keep it sustainable as well so they don't burn out. So tell me, Tim, through, through this research, through developing this app and developing Green X7, talk to me about your daily non-negotiables. Yeah, mate. And I love that word non-negotiables. So many, many years ago, I definitely wasn't the way I was now. I was in totally different mindset, headspace. And I've worked out that to thrive sustainably, which is sort of what I've been able to do now for quite a long time, even building a house, two kids, all the rest of it. It's about building a life that supports you and not one that you're constantly having to support, right? And I think that's a catchphrase Mm. that I'm always telling myself because when you start getting busy and your plate gets really full and you start spinning too many, I've always got to come back to that crutch of, Timmy, make sure that you're building a life that's supporting you and not one that you constantly support. So my non-negotiable every single day is pretty much getting the family out every morning. And that's typically around 6.30 to 7.30, walk over to the beach, kick the heels off. We've got my wife, Carly, my three-year-old Sonny, my one-year-old Frankie and our Labrador Hugo. And mate, we'll just walk up and down Salt Beach, we'll go for a swim, we'll come back and we'll connect with community, we'll have a coffee. And what I've done there is I've connected all of those seven tools into one activity. So I know no matter what happens that day, right, I've done something for my mental, emotional, physical and spiritual health. Now, throughout the day, I might try and catch up with some friends, I might even sneak in a little surf or a paddleboard here or there, or it might just be a second walk in the afternoon. But for me, it's about creating that one activity each and every day 
that's my non-negotiable. So I know that each day I'm going to recharge my battery, right? And I'm going to go in a forward direction and not start reversing in the other way. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Now, you obviously consult and you've spoken to a lot of big companies, the Australian Defence Force, Red Bull, a number of Olympians and top companies, not just in Australia, but around the world. What are you getting them to implement and what are you getting them to realise and put into their their structures and their processes to to help the wellness of their teams? Mm. Well, mate, first of all, I think it's awareness, right? Like that's the number one thing because most organisations, you know, we talk about staff well-being, but we don't actually have a framework around it. So the same thing goes, I'll go do a yoga session or let's go and sort of go for a walk once a month or whatever it is. But There's no actual structure around it. So when we go and work for organizations, the first thing we do is put a framework in place, right? So they can actually measure it to see if it's working, understand exactly what's going on. So we can we can go into any organization, whether it's a thousand people, one person, or a hundred thousand, and basically set up QR codes for each team, scan it within 60 seconds. I know exactly how every team's going and the individual knows how they're going. So first of all, the awareness piece of what they need to do is there straight away. Then the second thing we do is based around their location is, right, how do we do things based in your location that's going to improve these wellness areas that we know that we're low on? And then we'll actually do some workshops around them, whether it's face-to-face or online. But the greatest thing is that we don't have to whitewash wellness anymore. I know even before we had this battery check, I'd go into organizations and I'd have to talk about all the things just because I'm like, okay, well, I better say everything just in case someone in that audience needs to know that. Whereas now we can split the audience depending on exactly what that individual needs. So we might have a workshop based around fun, physical health and friendships, and you might have 30% of the organization doing that workshop. We might have 50% of the organization working on nutrition. So all we're doing is really tailoring what that individual and organization needs now. Because Time is money and we really need to be as productive as possible. So I think for us, awareness, number one, being able to measure it, number two, is absolutely brilliant. And look, we know that the better battery the organization, the more productive they're going to be. And that, to be honest, is what we're really talking to when we're talking to that leadership team. And some of these organizations that you work consistently with, when you're doing these check-ins, they can actually obviously see on the screen live Mm. that there has been some improvement and where they do need to improve even further. Yeah, 100%. And I think some people can take the Green X7 framework and mate, they can take it and be 50% and within a few months, mate, they're at 80% and they'll stay at 80%. It's just, whereas some individuals, we know they just need a little bit more kicking and streaming to get there. But it's the awareness piece. And what I always tell someone is that, yeah, you could be an 80% battery or an 85% battery, but you know what? You might get injured. You might break a leg. You might have a breakup. There's so many different things in your life that can happen that can take you down from an 80% battery and you could be at 40% within a month. Mm -hmm. But it's the understanding and the knowing that the moment that you pick up and understand where you're at, right? And it gives you suggestions on what you need to do to improve. That's the point where we're starting to point into our true north and we don't go deeper and deeper into sort of depression and further on it goes. So it's that piece about knowing where you're at to make sure you're moving forward and not constantly going backwards. It's all preventative. Yeah. Tim, talk to me about prevention before prescription. Yeah, mate, that's a, God, that's a deep one for me. I think, mate, when we've had certain things in our life happen to us, when we've seen really good friends take their own lives, when 
had brothers in and out of rehabs. <sighs> Mate, I've had, you know, I've seen it all growing up. And I think it becomes abundantly clear that it is a lot easier preventing something from going too far than to actually constantly prescribe when you're there. Whether that's recreational drugs, whether that's prescribed drugs, look, mate, they're as bad as each other, to be honest, from what I've seen from where I've been standing my whole life. And I think, mate, if I can, if I can keep someone in a positive direction instead of going the other way, first of all, mate, I, I know that they're not going to take their life. It was really hard because I was talking to a guy that I'd known really, really well about five years ago. And then he just, he dropped off the face of the planet, mate. And I hadn't heard from him since. And I just got this random call from him last week. And I was chatting to him. I said, mate, and I won't say his name, of course, but I said, mate, how have you been? I just, you know, we were talking every day and then you just disappeared off the face of the planet. And he said, mate, shit just got really bad. He said, my kids just went in a direction that I never thought they would. Our life just got turned upside down by COVID. I lost everything. And he said, mate, Three months ago, I was actually about to commit suicide. I said, well, okay, fuck, but what stopped you? And he said, mate, it was my 10-year-old boy walking into the room that stopped me. And I just think, mate, I remember when we adopted, uh, our family adopted a couple of lads growing up because their parents committed suicide. And so they became part of our family. And, mate, I just, I could just think that, imagine... Imagine if he did, right? Imagine if that 10-year-old boy walks into that room and there's his dad hanging from the ceiling. Like That to me is you're never coming back from there. And I watch, I watch kids grow up without their fathers that took their life, you know, and I've been watching them grow up for five and 10 years and 15 years and what effect that's had to them. And I just, mate, to me, I never want someone to go there. Like I never, I never want someone to have thoughts that bad that they're even contemplating taking their own life. Mm. So if I can if I can give them a way to keep them moving forward and not backwards, mate, then I've done my job. Because mate, I know how hard it is to watch a family lose someone. It's the fucking worst thing there is, mate. Mm. And we've got to we've got to stop that from happening. And yeah, look, you know, we talk about well being and all that sort of stuff because I think the mental health game, mate, for me, I sort of Maybe seven years ago, I had a choice whether I talk in mental health or I go down the well-being track. And mate, to me, every time I was talking about mental health, it just becomes so bloody depressing. It's such a serious topic. And mate, I would prefer to get people to think that you know life doesn't have to be serious. Like there's not one scrap of evidence to say that life should be taken seriously. So I'd rather bring the joy and happiness to people's lives, right? And and get them healed that way, looking at the light and not the dark. So. It's the path that I've chosen and I just, yeah, all I'm trying to do, mate, is avoid people from going down that, that other road. Yeah. Talking about this subject, through the chapters I've been through in the last kind of five or six years is, is pretty tough because for me, I get that heavy feeling on my chest of I've been there a few times. Really, it, once again, it's, it's, it's family and it's the mm. kids. I, 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 could, I could never do it to my family and that's not, that's not talking down to anyone who has taken their life and left their kids behind and stuff like that. But for me, that's what I connect to. And you have to connect to something mm. that can stop you. As a bit of a guardrail, I suppose, you need to connect to something, whether it's your loved ones, whether it's something that you're surfing or whether it's something that you love doing, you have to connect because nine people a day in Australia take their life. 75% of them are men. Mm. And for me, becoming a mental health first aider, 
and also now an instructor, you know, for me, and we were talking about this, Tim, how do we, how do we integrate that mental health into wellness as well? And I think it's got beautiful alignment there because mental health can be quite dark and it can be a bit, you know, uh, I, when I was in my mental health first aid course, there was a lady, I was sitting next to a lady and she'd lost her husband months earlier. He'd taken his life. So when we were going through the suicide section of the course, it was she had to walk out. It was really tough, and and I've known people that have taken their life, and and you know, and then having most people in their life do get to go through challenges in their life where they do consider it sometimes, maybe not seriously, but they sit there and go, I just can't do this. But you hear all the stories, Tim, of all the people that have survived jumping off bridges or trying to take their own life. And the interesting thing is, is that most of them, if not all of them, tell a story of, I'm so glad that I live. Mm. And, and this, it's not uncommon, right? And this is the problem. And our healthcare system is not designed for preventative healthcare. And this is, to be honest, mate, something I've been working on for the past 10 years is how do we create a more preventative healthcare system? And, you know, we work shop with doctors and psychiatrists and God knows how many other people we've been working with to try and create something like this. But the system is not only broken, but it's almost like it doesn't want to fix itself. And so how do we, instead of relying on a system that's not working, how do we take responsibility for ourselves, right? How do we look after not only ourselves but our inner circle? And I think that in society, we're focused so much on the people that we don't have direct contact with, if you look at a sphere of influence, we spend hardly any time at all looking after ourselves. Then we spend minimal time really focusing on our family and friends. Then we probably spend more time with acquaintances and colleagues. And then mate, the most amount of time that we're spending, which is around 46 hours a week, right, in our downtime, is actually on strangers. So we're putting 46 hours of our week being spectators with social media and TV And I'm thinking, God, could you imagine if we actually flip that on its head and we spent 46 hours on ourselves and our family and our friends and making sure that we're creating positive human connections? Because that's down to three hours a week creating positive human connections. And we know from all the research that it's warmth of relationships that gives us life's greatest satisfaction. Yes, we need to have physical health and nutrition and all of these other things, but it actually comes down to positive human connection. Now, Loneliness is the fastest growing epidemic in Australia. Crazy to think because we are so connected with technology, but that's actually what's stealing our connection in the first place. And so I think if we can just focus, number one, on being aware to ourselves and really just blocking out those external expectations, like the number one regret of the dying is I wish I lived a life true to myself and not the one others expected of me. Mm. Yet we're continually doing it because we're not actually just stopping the noise and reflecting on who we are and what we want to be. And then putting that time into creating beautiful relationships with our family, with our kids, with our friends. These are the things we should be doing. This is preventative stuff. If we just do the simple things each and every day of what we should have been doing, reconnecting to ourselves and others through nature, then we don't have to go down the prescription model. And that prescription model, mate, it's, it's a road to darkness. And unfortunately, this is where we're going in Australia. And we're not taking the time to understand that there's actually a better route. Now, I'm not saying we don't need medicine because we do need Western medicine, mate. I would have died three times on the table if it wasn't for Western medicine. 
But I can tell you, mate, with so many of the people that I coach, a lot of it is really just simple preventative measures to put in place so they actually can just start moving the dial in the right direction. Yeah. We live in a system, for me, going through um, insurance and, and health stuff over the recent years, insurance companies want you to come back basically and go to the doctor and say that you're on medication. And for me, early on, it was very much about, okay, I'm going to do more yoga. I'm going to bring in a lot more of these wellness, see a chiropractor, emotional neurotechnique, all these things, naturopath. But they kind of just wanted to see that you were on a pill that that was an antidepressant or something that was helping you. And the system is broken because if the system wasn't broken, they wouldn't make as much money. Now, I say that sometimes and people go, oh, it's a bit of a conspiracy theory. It's not a conspiracy theory. It is fact. If the government focused all their processes and all their schemes and, and funding into, in Australia, making everyone healthier, focusing on their wellness, people would live longer. And there's a lot of elements of that that puts pressure on the dollar. Mm -hmm. And this is why I've always said, I don't think there'll ever be a cure for cancer. Mm. I just don't think there will be because it makes them too much money. Yeah, And and I know that's sad to say, and there'll probably be people listening to this going, oh, that's a bit, but uh, that's, that's my thought. There's a lot of money in, in pharmaceuticals in sickness, and Mm. there's probably not as much money in health. Yeah, and this I think where sometimes you've got to take responsibility for self, right? And as much as that we try and numb our pain through other things, I think it's the simple fact of understanding that, you know what, this is my life. I do need to take care of it. And the uncomfortable truth is I've actually got to do something about it. I can't just keep going on that same Ferris wheel that I've always been on. Because look, mate, it's easy going and getting drunk. It's easy taking a drug. It's you know, These are all easier things. But are they easier in the long run? Hell no. Mm. And sometimes that short-term pain for long-term gain, like, mate, I, I quit drinking 10 years ago. Fucking hard to begin with, mate, no doubt about it, <laughs> because it was, it was such a crux for me. But now, mate, I feel better than ever, right? I don't wake up with a hangover, which really allows me to do the things that I love. And for crying out loud, mate, imagine waking up with a hangover with a three and a one-year-old. Like, mate, <laughs> that's the worst thing I could possibly think of. What the hell? But then again, it drives you into insanity. So it's a Ferris wheel. But we do have to take action. And look, we have all the tools and the knowledge out there for for someone to know exactly what they need. But you know what I've found, Steve, over doing these workshops now for almost eight years all over the world? We're all the same in terms of culture, psychogrammy, demographic. There's There's certain things that we need. And one is we need to have a purpose. We need to understand why we want to be the best version of ourselves. Like this is no doubt in my mind, the overarching thing that we need to first and foremost have in our mind to then want to look after ourselves, right? Uh, That icky guy, the reason why we wake up in the morning, something that's bigger and stronger than us, why we keep moving forward. And then the other thing we need is self-worth, self-love to actually then want to look after ourselves. And the only way we get that is by creating value, meaning, and belonging in our lives. We need to give people value and we need to receive it. We need to have a meaning in our lives and we also need to feel like we belong. And it's very hard to feel like you belong 
when technology is basically ruling your life. Like you need to disconnect and actually connect to others to feel a sense of belonging, whether that's in your own household, whether that's at work, no matter where it is, that sense of belonging gives you that beautiful quench of, yeah, I'm worthy. And so therefore, I am going to look after myself because I'm worth it. And to me, that's where it all starts if we're going to talk about well-being. I think the needle's moving on wellness and I think the needle is moving because there's a lot more people talking about it. As you said, wellness was going to get your nails done in a day spa 20, 30 years ago. But as you know, my brother runs Mind and Body Travel and his whole thing is asking people, what is the travel that you, you want versus the travel that you actually need? And mm. it may be having some of the what you want, but also building in some of those things that you actually need as well to rather come back. And I'm sure, you know, going into a new school year as we are, people would be coming back from four, six, eight weeks holiday or three weeks holiday or whatever it is, screaming into where's the uniforms, ironing the uniforms, mm. getting everything back up and running. And they're going into the year. And where's their battery, Tim? Mm. Their battery would be low. Yeah, 100%. And they're not setting up that life to support them. And it's funny when you're talking about education because we deal a lot with schools and teachers' batteries, are, they're a classic, mate, because after their holidays at the start of the term, they're sitting up here at around sort of 75%, pretty decent battery. By the end of the term, mate, they're going down to around that 50 55%. Then they get a couple of weeks off and then they rise up again to around 68%. Then they go back down, mate. And by the end of the year, mate, their batteries are shot. Like we're, we're sub 50, right? And I just think if only you put, you know, the tools and the practices in place just to be able to create a life that supports you, right, to thrive sustainably, you'd be at a constant, right? You'd actually have the energy and the vitality you need to do the things that you really want to do and be that best version of yourself. But our system doesn't allow us to do that, right? Our system isn't allowing us to take time to think about it and actually help you and support you through it. Schools are a perfect example, right? Poor teachers, mate, they just get heaped and heaped with more stuff and more stuff without the actual education system going, hang on a sec, this one person's looking after 30 kids, 60 kids. I really want them to be the best version of themselves, to inspire these kids to be the best version for themselves. Mate, we don't get that. We get teachers that are completely exhausted and over it, that hate teaching. And, mate, this is an absolute classic. Oh, my God. So I was doing a, I was doing a keynote last year and there was probably 200 teachers in the audience. And just as a joke, I said, who still loves their job, right? And one girl put her hand up in the whole room, like one girl. And I was like, can you just tell me why? She goes, I've just started. <laughs> and every teacher has just pissed themselves laughing and they're just like, you just wait. You just wait. <laughs> and I was like, isn't that sad that you've got 200 teachers that didn't put their hand up saying, do you still love your job? And this poor freshie just out of universities come in, you know, with all the passion to change the system. And then unfortunately, mate, she'll get gobbled up. But it should be the exact opposite, right? We should have that girl going and inspire to be the best version. But it's a system change, mate. And like you said, it's it's broken. It takes a lot more than a bit of tape to to fix it. And the problem is the enthusiasm is going to get beaten out of her very <laughs> because everyone's just going to go, oh, just wait, just wait. This is going to happen. Wait until this happens. Wait mm -hmm. until that happens. And she's probably just going to lend herself into a position where she's just fearing what's ahead. Mm, 100%, mate. And I think the nurses are the same. Like I feel sorry for our nurses. Exact same thing happens is that they're going in 
full of robustness and passion to to look after people, mate. In a, in a year or two, mate, they're completely beaten down and they're quitting so early now. They're, they're almost quitting the moment that they get out of university just because the system is just beating them up and spitting them out. These are all things that we need to change and we can change them. It's just that we need the leaders to understand that if they want a thriving workforce, then they actually need to do something at the top. They need to actually do it themselves first. Yeah. And it gets back to the system. The leaders a lot of the time will blame this, that and everything else and look for exterior factors, but it's actually the system that needs changing when it comes to our healthcare, when it comes to our education, whatever it comes to. The system, it doesn't matter in what industry. And there's also method to their madness around how things work as well. I say around the education system, if you've got a great memory and you can take in information and you can remember, you'll do well. Mm. Because basically, they'll just give you a test and an exam at the end of the end of the term on these subjects, mm. which tests you what they've taught you or what you've learned. Mm. And if if you're a good learner and a good, if you've got a great memory, you'll do well. Mm. But that doesn't help you in life. There's obviously a lot more focus in some schools around trade and and some of those things. But tell me, what does a kid graduating year twelve actually come out into the real world? knowing what to do. Do they know how to get a mortgage? Do they know how to budget? Do they know how to do all these things? They don't. No. And look after their health? Certainly not. And and I think, mate, this is why I love working with leaders of organizations because they can actually create change. Working with health, working with education, mate, I've done it all. And I tell you what, it's bloody exhausting and tiring and I'm still committed to the cause. But mate, the moment I can get a hold of a a leader of an organization that might have a hundred, a thousand, ten thousand people underneath him, and he's willing to create a positive change for himself, his leadership team, management, and everyone down. That's when I get excited, right? Because I know that this this person or this board literally can change the lives of a thousand people underneath them or ten thousand. And that's what lights me up, right? This is why working with leaders is so important. And I think if you're a leader listening to this, I think you have to understand that you have a responsibility. You've You've worked very hard to put yourself into the position that you're in. You're tenacious, you're resilient, you're smart. You have all these amazing attributes, but I'm hoping that you're actually using them in a positive direction. I'm hoping that you're actually looking at the people under you and your team and going, wow, am I actually helping them be the best version of themselves? Because if you're not, you have a responsibility to do that Mm -hmm. because you're in a position of power and you really need to understand that the decisions that you make and the implementations that you do have a flow and effect, not to just your employees, but to the employees' families as well. And mate, when we do our workshops, it's not just about how do we improve productivity in the workplace. It's actually about how do we improve our connections in our personal life? Because we know that if we can improve someone's personal life and improve connections and all of that, that's going to flow into the workforce. And I always say that your organization is only collectively as good as every individual person's battery. So if every individual person's battery equates to 65%, well, mate, that's how productive your workplace is. And so it's really, mate, if you're thinking bottom line and P&Ls, well, mate, you better get your staff looking after themselves because that's going to make a big difference to your bottom line. And the battery is going to feed down, right? So if you've got a CEO of an organization that's running at 45%, how's his organization looking? 
Mate, it is, a, and I'm a perfect example of this. You know, like I remember a few years back with Water Sports Guru and Green X Seven. You know, I was I was head down, bum up. I I'd stopped taking my own Kool Aid. I was just in focus mode, trying to earn money, try to grow big. Mate, I I became miserable. I became short tempered, frustrated, and mate, I really pushed everyone else away from me. I pushed my family away. I pushed my staff away. I was an asshole. Like I literally became an asshole because. I'd stopped doing the things that I knew that was recharging my battery. And I remember one day I went down to work and Maddie, my manager, was there and it was the place was pumping, mate, everyone was happy. And all I could do was scold him for the littlest things, right? Like none of it even mattered. And I remember Maddie literally takes me aside and he goes, Timmy, mate, the energy before you came was so much better than what it is now. I think honestly, mate, the best thing you could do is leave. So here's my manager telling me, the owner of the company, to leave, right, my own workplace. And mate, I almost fucking started arcing up and giving a, giving a mouthful. But I, I realized he was right, mate. I'd literally come in and brought my shitty ass energy, cut everyone to the ground, my staff, which then affected my clients, right? just because I'd stopped having fun, just because I wasn't doing the things that I needed to, to recharge my battery. And it was that point on when I said, right, from now on, I honestly really need to create a life that supports me. So if you are a leader and you feel yourself being narky, if you feel yourself you're not having fun and you're resenting other people for it, right? If you feel yourself doing these things and not being the best version of you, that has a massive flow and effect to the people under you. And that's going to flow and effect all the way through your organizational chart. It makes a massive difference, mate. That CEO or that, you know, C-suite or the VPs, they have a big position to play on how that productivity feeds through. Yeah. And leaders, female, male, they all have different pressures on them as well. So men have got different pressures to females. That battery is a big thing, right? Because if they're a CEO, they've got lots of meetings, they've got lots of responsibility, they've got a lot of people, they've got a board a lot of the time, they've got shareholders, accountability. They've got so much going on. Plus, they've got a family at home and a They've got a wife or a partner and they've got kids and they've got all these things. And it's like, well, it's hard probably very much for them to have that perfectly aligned wheel. Now, I don't believe you can have a perfectly aligned wheel. You might dispute and you might uh, argue that point with me. (laughs) I'll beg to differ on that. Because I always say that, you know, if you focus on your mental health or if you say you focus on your physical health and you go to the gym more, well, then you might be down a little bit in something, you know, like I don't think. I look at the wheel of life, which is kind of the green X7 wheel. And is there anyone living a 10 out of 10? So this is, mate, this is awesome. And I love this question because I've spent the last 12 years of my life working on this one. Can you, can you have a balanced life? And I'm going to say hundred percent you can't, right? Because I'm, and I'm not going to say always, but I definitely am living proof of being able to thrive sustainably for very long periods of time with a balanced wheel. Now, the last year, don't get me wrong, has been freaking hard. We had our second child, Frankie Bourne, that came out screaming and didn't stop, mate, for the first six or seven months of her life. And we couldn't even leave our hometown, mate. Like it was that bad. We're building a house. We're running two businesses. Shit's gotten real over the last year for me. And it's tested, it's tested every part of my wellness will. But the fact of the matter is, mate, I always come back to that same routine that I do each and every day based around those seven tools that create a life to support me that just keep bringing me back. And the trick of it is, is don't go too hard in any one area. And that's how we maintain balance. 
my wife is a perfect example. And it's a funny story because when I met Carly, my wife, six years ago, when I sort of like, we were just mates, we were surfing, walking the dogs, you know, there, was, there wasn't much romantic stuff going on. But the moment that I, I sort of went, hmm, you know what, I reckon this chick's pretty awesome. And funny enough, mate, I did the battery with her. <laughs> this was my first date stuff. Did the battery. She comes in at 93%. 93%. And I'm like, holy fuck. Like, this is 0.5% of Australia's population. She's marriage material, mate. <laughs> Some blokes might pick something else. I picked the battery. And, mate, she has been, she was a Green Xer before even Green X came along, mate. She has, she has managed to show me that balance is just a phenomenal thing for her because she's two kids later she's a firefighter and she has maintained balance since i've known her phenomenal and mate obviously i've i think we've had ten thousand people now go through green x7 and there are people mate that i've kept track on over the years that actually have maintained that balance that have thrived sustainably and i'm not going to say it's the majority of people because it's not but i would definitely say that you can achieve it And I'm not saying it's a forever thing, right? Because like I said at the beginning, something's going to happen, right? You're going to break something. You're going to lose someone. But the fact that you can pick it back up and come back to it and know exactly what you need to do to get back onto the horse, that's the magic in it. And look, it bloody works. You know, I'm a perfect example. If, If you saw my battery 10 years ago to what it is now, just using me as an example, it's possible, mate. So don't give up, Steve. That's what I'm saying. Don't give up. (laughs) You can do it. Oh, good. (laughs) <laughs> I'm not going to reinvent the wheel. I'm just going to work on the wheel. Beautiful, mate. Just pump up the tires, brother. Awesome. Now, Tim, you're a skeg. You had a rough and tumble or a bit of a, with five brothers and you obviously had challenges through your life, but how do you define success and how has that changed through your life? Mm, growing up, I think all I knew what success was, was money. I even had a bet with my dad, I think, after probably discovering Tony Robbins that I was going to be the next world's greatest motivational speaker and I was going to be a millionaire by the age of 21. And on and on it was, mate. Well, that obviously didn't happen. <laughs> I'm still getting there, Tony. I'm coming after you, mate. But that's, but that's what I thought success was because growing up in my family, there was no other way to measure it. This is the thing. You don't know what you don't know, right? And if your family doesn't understand what well-being is, then they don't understand it. You just don't know. So I think now when I'm looking at what success to me, mate, this is going to sound really cliche, but a fucking good battery. Sorry for swearing. But that's to me when I know I've got a really good battery, I know I'm being successful because my health physically and emotionally and mentally is well. I know that my relationships with my wife and my close friends and family is doing well. I know that I'm on purpose. All those things that I do, fun and adventure for me, right? And everyone has a different definition of what success is. But for me, it's about making sure that I've actually just got a good battery. And Mm. for me, that's 85%. Like I know that if I can sit around 85%, I'm doing good. That's me just thriving and kicking ass. And look, I don't expect that I'm going to get over 90% or 95% at any time soon with especially kids. And look, Carly wants another kid. And we all know, mate, having kids is bloody tough work. So I know there's going to be chapters in my life that my battery is going to go down a little bit. But you know what? When I get back to surfing more often and doing all those fun, adventurous things with the kids, my battery is going to go up again. So my picture of success, mate, is honestly just having a good battery. And obviously the app that 
you've designed is good because it gives people a way of, we mentioned earlier, and I know, know we both love the word awareness mm. because if you don't know where your battery's at, you don't know what you need to work on and you're just traveling along. It's very easy for that just to, those areas to just deplete to a certain point where you just, then something does happen where you haven't done the prevention. Something happens and you go, oh, oh I could have, I should have, I, how did I not see that coming? Um, but you can actually see a lot of it coming by logging in and, and kind of doing that exercise. So that's awesome. I'll put that link up on, on the show notes as well so people can link into that as well. I wanted to ask you, who's been your greatest teacher in life? God, this is, this is such a random one. And mate, to be honest, it was, this is so crazy. But so when I was running Water Sports Guru, I had an employee come to work for us and her name was Bree. And at that stage, mate, I, my emotional intelligence was almost zero, right? I didn't, I didn't understand what real connection was. Warmth of relationships to me just didn't exist. I was very closed off, concrete over the heart. And Bree and I end up having this amazing relationship over seven years where she actually opened up my heart. She found my heart and she got me to find empathy. And that's probably the right word, empathy. I didn't have empathy. And she was a bit of an earth angel for me. And so she really helped find my heart and understand emotions and how to actually connect with people. And then to be honest, my my wife is just a phenomenal inspiration to me. Like I was saying, her battery, she is just such a steadfast, amazing individual that is just constantly positive. She's got all the other things that that everyone else has as well, but her mindset towards life and positivity and her resilience and mate, the fact that she can maintain a phenomenally good battery with everything that's going on and putting up with me, mate, like, come on, honestly, <laughs> like just to, that in itself, mate, I know she's, we've got two kids, but I'm probably the third kid. So putting up with three bloody kids, I would say, mate, yeah, at, you know, since meeting her six years ago, we knew, knew each other before that, mate, she is just a phenomenal person in my life to be inspired by because I had to find what Green X7 was and create it, whereas she's just been living it this whole time. So awesome inspiration, mate, to have someone like that living side by side with you and kicking you up by the heel straps if you need to. Now, Tim, you grab your surfboard, you head out onto the water and you're floating around waiting to catch those waves. And you've got a young 15-year-old next to you on the board next to you. And he says, ah, oh, what advice have you got for life? What, what have I got to look forward to? Tell me, Tim, what inspire me? You know, what advice have you got for me? What would you say? Don't stop having fun. I think as adults, mate, we, we think that we need to become serious because we've got responsibilities. And I think that becoming serious shuts us down to living a life that could be the best version for us. And I think when I've taken fun out of my life and the and adventures and the unknowing what's around the corner, opening up to new ideas, I think that is what really lights me up. And I think that's what we're not getting in today's society. We're not getting or we're not giving ourselves the opportunity to light ourselves up, to really fill up our cup, to make our hearts sing. And Mate, we like, I know fun is the lowest wellness area. It has always has been for Australians in these last seven years of measuring it. And I would just say, you know what, just 
don't stop having fun. Don't lose that curiosity of life. Just keep allowing yourself to be that child that wants to constantly live within you. And having kids, mate, has allowed me to even be a bigger dork than I already am with no excuses whatsoever. So I would just say, yeah, don't ever stop having fun and just always be kind and thoughtful to others. And, mate, those two things will take you a long way. Yeah, awesome. And if you were heading out into the wilderness, head, heading out into nature for a few days and you wanted to take a couple of good books, what would they be? Oh, gosh, mate. I'm so terrible at remembering books. It's ridiculous. The Power of One by Bryce Courtney has had a massive impact on my life. And, mate, there's a bazillion business books that I could probably recommend that just don't come to mind, but we'll put them in the show notes when I share it with you. All right, that sounds good. And get out the old Walkman with the Tony Robbins <laughs> cassettes. Hey, I know, mate, everyone gives him a bad time every now and again, but mate, I'll tell you what, he's helped a lot of people. Yeah, I went and did Unleash the Power Within. I'd like to get back in. That was probably about 11 or 12 years ago, I think we were talking about the other day, but it's it's definitely an environment. It's all about creating and spending time in the environment with people that want to grow and people that want to be better and people that want to keep working towards the best version of themselves. And when you're in that environment and when you've got people like that in your circle, it's, it's phenomenal how that can change your life. Yeah. And I think, mate, another episode on mateship definitely needs to happen because I think when you have kids, you sort of lose. I even, you know, when I stopped drinking, I lost a lot of mates. When I had kids, I lost a lot of mates. And for me now, mate, it's about how do I find that peer support group that I can have that fun adventure and and just talk shop with, you know. And for any bloke that's out there that's feeling a little bit lonely, mate, I'm I'm feeling you. It's for me, I I want to get back to having that beautiful support network of guys. And I know you and your brother went out on a retreat and hiking, and I wish I could have gone on that one, mate. So definitely sign me up for the next one. But yeah, as, as guys, mate, we need to we need to talk. It's why women live longer than blokes. They have this beautiful way of being able to just talk about how they're thinking and feeling. And I think one advice for, for blokes that are in a relationship is just to open up. Don't try and, and be that masculine bloke that puts the shield up uh, and doesn't talk about their emotions because I did that my whole life until my 30s and I lost so many good relationships. And I think my relationship with Carly is just so beautiful because we have this open and honest communication about how we're feeling and it's about making each other feel valued, right? Like I really, I really want to make sure that my wife's well-being is always first alongside of mine. And I think having respect, creating that value, meaning and belonging with that loved one uh, is just so important. So if you're a bloke and find it hard to open up, honestly, use the battery, talk about it, but just share your feelings and how you're going. You know, it's it, like Brene said, you know, the most courageous thing you can do is be vulnerable. I believe that now. I never used to, but I actually do believe that that's the case. Yeah, well, it's a superpower, you know, and obviously with this podcast, it's when we share, we inspire, not just ourselves, but each other. It's really about that advice there is knowing that you're never alone either. Reach out, connect, human connection. Yeah. The power of connection is is just it's everything. Is just amazing. So Tim, I have loved our time together today. I loved our chat recently as well. I'm looking forward to continuing to connect. Extremely grateful for the time you've given up today. 
so much gold in there, um, so much advice, and just to get people thinking more about their wellness and and also implementing a, a practical tool that they can check their battery each day. I'll be getting a message from you tomorrow saying, "How was Cyclone <laughs> 545, wellness?" Five forty-five, mate. Five forty-five. <laughs> Thanks, Steve, mate. This platform's amazing, bud. Well done. It's yeah. I just love that you can share this, and blokes are going to listen to this podcast, mate, and it's going to move their needle they're actually going to take the time and space to do something that's going to support them and recharge their battery and just become a better version of themselves. And that's what we're trying to do, right? Just to help others be better humans. And mate, I'll, I'll end with this because it's a great, a great quote by Clay Christensen. He's a Harvard MBA. And he said that the measure of your life will be based on how well you helped other people be better people. And I just love that quote, how well you helped other people be better people. You're doing that, mate, with this podcast. So thank you very much for inviting me along. No, appreciate it and look forward to connecting with you again soon. See you soon, mate. See you on the coast. Will do. See ya. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. It's been great to have you along for the ride. Remember to hit subscribe and share this episode with a friend. Maybe just one person you think could benefit from what was just shared. Also, if you haven't connected with me yet, you can find me on Instagram at the Steve Hodgson and also share underscore underscore podcast. I'll catch you on the next episode.